Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. State lawmakers are ringing in the new year with up to three pay raises. According to the Globe, each of the state's 200 senators and representatives is in line for a $4,200 increase to their base salaries. They're also entitled to a separate 4.89% hike to their office expense accounts, as well as a 4.89% bump to their legislative stipends. This trio of pay increases comes at a time when many businesses are struggling to keep their doors open and the unemployment rate stands at 6.7%. It's up to each individual lawmaker whether or not to accept the raise. President-elect Joe Biden won the election fair and square. A man and a woman. And a idiot. <laughs> so that was Emmanuel Cleaver giving the invocation or whatever it was to the United States Congress on Sunday, I think, and he's decided that... Actually, you know what? I don't want to get... We'll get back to that. He decided because the world has to be this stupid to say a man and then a woman because a man means many of the gender people and a woman would be the other half of that and because he's a dumb. And <laughs> he's in Congress and those are the people that we represent... Uh, that, that we pay to represent us mm-hmm. in Washington, D.C., in Congress. Now, they're dummies, and that's fine, because there are a lot of people in the country who are dummies, and it's probably good that their representation accurately depicts their own status mm-hmm. as dummies, which is fine. Uh, what's not fine is when representation decides, has the audacity to take it upon themselves to give themselves a raise during the emergency COVID crisis. This is unfreaking believable. This is happening mm-hmm. in Massachusetts. State lawmakers are going to be getting a raise this year during COVID. Yeah, and, a pretty fat raise, too. Yes, like 6% or something? It's, uh, yeah, it's like 6.5%. Which is unfreaking believable that they would have the audacity to do this. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. I'm going to read the Boston Herald story, the Lowell Sun Boston Herald story. Vice versa. 
As many Massachusetts residents worry about where they'll find their next paycheck or meal amid mass unemployment during the pandemic, Beacon Hill officials are welcoming the new year with a fat raise. The state's 200 senators and reps are each in line for a $4,280 bump in their base salaries. Their third raise is in as many legislative sessions. The 6.46 raise will boost their base pay to $70,536. The House Speaker and Senate President will each pull down $178,000 plus. Lawmakers will also be cashing in on separate 4.89 on a separate 4.89% hike to their office expense accounts, and leadership will get another boost in their already lucrative stipends. It's uh, pretty shocking. This is frigging crazy that what we've seen this year, what we've seen this year of all the things that we've had to go through, Mm -hmm. there's been furloughs and pay cuts and layoffs and businesses closing, etc., that not only are Beacon Hill lawmakers not taking a paycheck, which to (laughs) me is unbelievable that they wouldn't take a pay cut to, to me. Right. That's unbelievable that it wouldn't take a pay cut. But they're also getting a raise. They're getting a freaking raise right. right now. The sense of entitlement is through their freaking roof. <laughs> State Rep Mike Connolly from Cambridge, who voted against uh, raises for party leadership in 27, citing its emphasis on top-down management, said he could he would take the bump in his base salary this year. He wouldn't. He was against it in 2017. Mm-hmm. Back when there wasn't a world pandemic destroying the lives of everybody. Right. 2020, he thinks, you know what? Yeah, this is a pretty good time. I could use I could use the help. Maybe he, he says, had a competitive race that year or something. He says, Actually, in Cambridge, it's doubtful. But He says, cost of living increases make sense for everyone in terms of government benefits, Social Security, and other programs. Can you imagine that? Cost of living uh, increases. Right. You know, cola, we need to, you know, it makes, just kind of makes sense. The Meanwhile, freak with you, the cost of living adjustment <laughs> We've had that, double that's digit happening right now is unfreaking believable. Unbelievable. Like I've been saying all day, people, the people down the street from us just sold their house mm-hmm. the, the, or sold their house and moved the hell uh, uh, out. The people across the street, he's a, in, they sell stuff. She's a teacher. She also does. Uh, Instacart now for extra money. People are getting extra gigs anywhere they can. Alice Shattuck here leaves several nights a week. It used to be a few months ago. It was every night of the week to work an overnight job in a warehouse. Right. And these are that's our cost of living adjustment. That's how, that's how we're handling the, <laughs> right. our new situation. But these goddamn rats in Pigs and Beacon Hill are don't even feel this pandemic. They do not feel this crisis at all and they can't imagine not having to you know adjust mm-hmm. oh my goodness why would should i have to adjust it doesn't make any sense reminds me of it like like they're are they afraid they're gonna get the bends if they <laughs> if they if, if they're you know the, the air pressure around them changes like it has for us yeah. No, we need to be on it. We need to be just doing just it's fine. It's a cost of living increase. I need to make the same amount this year as freaking- I made last year in real money because I know that's... And I remember the same thing, like, and I know I'm going to get flack for this because everyone loves teachers and I love teachers too. Teachers are great. But I had the same discussion in our town because uh, when we lived in the, our previous town because people were like, well, our teachers are so underpaid. They only got like 6% raises every year or whatever. It's a cost of living increase. Excuse me. People in real life 
don't get five, six, whatever percent raises every year. You know, if most normal jobs, it's like a two to four percent increase if you get like a stellar performance review, not just like for breathing in your place of work all year. Like you don't it doesn't work that way for everybody else. I mean, nowadays, a lot of people are laid off and actually losing money. Their salaries have been cut and they're dying under the financial pressure of this. Beacon Hill's done absolutely nothing to help anybody except, you know, get in line behind Baker in terms of shutting everything down and making sure people can't make money or any room to breathe. And, you know, I, I mean, to his credit, Baker didn't take his pay raise. He was eligible and he just, he and Karen Polito right. said they weren't taking it, which is... You'd have to be <laughs> I mean, a frigging detached moron, elitist, entitled POS... To take a rate. Any party, I don't care what it is. You don't deserve a goddamn place in this government if you're taking a raise this year right now. That is obscene. It is outrageous. It is disgusting. This guy, this moron from from Cambridge, uh, what's his name that I say is uh, Rep Mike Connolly, idiot, says, quote, there's an element that if we aren't willing to compensate legislators and public servants fairly then the only people who can seek those positions are the independently wealthy. There's an element that this guy is a This is absolutely ridiculous. Ridiculous. There's an element. You know what? You know what? State Rep. Mike Conley, because there's an element that if you don't take the jobs that only the rich people can, how about this? We'll roll the dice. We'll roll the dice to see how our lives will be able to operate without Rep. Mike Connolly. You know, and his raise. Right. You know, you know if, if, if you don't that- have people like me in there constantly, you're not going to have people like me to vote me raises every year, no matter what. If the times are good, bad, pandemic, Godzilla, nuclear fallout, doesn't matter. I mean, we're, we're oh. being healed. We can't be affected by the COVID pandemic. No, it's very ugly down there. That's not we got why we got elected to these positions. No, that's not why we're in this. And by the way, Rep. Mike Connolly, liberal from Cambridge, and the rest of you people in Beacon Hill, I thought this year was the great reckoning. I thought it was the great awakening where this summer we finally, finally acknowledged the wrongs we had done to marginalized people who we've harmed again and again and again and all the inequities and all the inequality going on. And we all agreed together that marginalized people, brown and black people, were the most affected and damaged by this pandemic. Well, God damn it then. It seems to me that maybe it's a little tone deaf. To use a freaking term that's been used a thousand times this year, it's a little tone deaf for you to be fattening your wallet with taxpayer money when some of those taxpayers in marginalized communities have had their livelihoods destroyed this year. That's what it seems to me. (laughs) You would think. You would think. And by the way, we're one of only 10 states that even has a full-time legislature that makes full-time salaries. This isn't the norm. This is already... It's a much cushier job in Massachusetts than it is in 80% of the other states. You know, so we're already talking about, you know, this is a plush gig comparatively compared to other states in the country. This isn't, you know, oh, totally. It this is. isn't, I'm not saying this, like, this isn't abnormal what we're saying here that they make a ridiculous amount of money and and because sometimes I think people in Massachusetts think this like we used we had friends in Melrose when we lived in Melrose who you know everybody's a a 
two parents work household. They all own $800,000 houses and they're, you know, each making somewhere between fifty dollars and $150,000 a year. And they're thinking like, wow, you know, the state legislature, like making sixty, seventy thousand, it seems like a pretty important job. I can't believe they make so little. It's not really. But when you compare to other states in the country, that's much more than people get paid in other states to do this. I mean, people get mad when I compare it to New Hampshire because New Hampshire, their legislature makes absolutely nothing. It's free. They, they don't do it. They don't pay them anything. And they get a bunch of wacky people running, which you know, for what it's worth. But in a lot of ways, New Hampshire's run a lot better. And there's obviously, right. you know, there are obviously a little bit different concerns in New Hampshire. So I'm not saying that we necessarily need to go to not paying a legislature at all. We have like a little bit more industry and stuff and things going on in Massachusetts than New Hampshire does. But at the same time, it's not that different. They manage to like run their yeah. highways and they manage to do stuff. And it's not like, falling apart every it seems like things are going okay and no but also remember, i like so we could go to part-time they don't all have to make full-time huge salaries so they can own condos in boston like it doesn't have to be like that well you know first of all it already is part-time oh yeah this it's four days a week one day they a week get is- paid <laughs> as if it's full-time this racket was something that was developed in the 60s when they decided to plug the state legislature and being a lawmaker into every part of the bureaucracy that you could mm-hmm. so you, that you could spend your days taking care of your uncle Al and your drunk uh, cousin right. Timmy and giving him jobs in the MBTA. And also, a lot of these state lawmakers who don't, do not have a, a overbearing schedule whatsoever also have gigs, main gigs, as lawyers right. and other things. Or they whatever have, else. They have all sorts of gigs. That's why this is filthy. This is disgusting. If you're a state lawmaker in this state and you're taking a raise, you're a POS. And I have the, this now in this time of the pandemic, it is disgusting. And I will absolutely make it my passion to freaking go out, expose you for the egregious thing you're doing, the opportunistic uh, war profiteering that you're doing during this pandemic. It is nothing different than that. It's freaking immoral. It is immoral. And mm-hmm. I understand that it's Beacon Hill and it happens every year that they, they don't care about the, No. Now is a state of emergency. Now this bleep is is not acceptable. Yeah. Not acceptable. Turn around and tell it to the people that you just cut all their bus routes and T-stops. And I know that MBTA runs its money separately from legislator salaries. But the state is bleeding money right now they are hurting really badly for cash in terms of running their budget and to have these salaries go through i mean but this was part of the problem with the last salary thing is that the way that they set up the salary thing was so that it would go through automatically with these cost of living adjustments Mm -hmm. without them having to vote on it again like they did before with the gas tax stuff and because they don't like to have to have the responsibility of having because if if they had to vote this year on whether or not to give themselves pay raises, there would be an uprising. But this way, since they set it up before in 2017 so that their salaries just re- go yeah, up automatically. Automatic. It just now that it just happened. I can't help right. it. My salary of, just right. went up. It's out of my hands. Can't do anything. There's no accountability and there's no – and that's why this – freaking state sucks there's no accountability there's well yeah no- because they know they're all going to get reelected again people right. were so mad at them in 2017 for raising their own salaries and did any of them lose no massachusetts is one of the states with 
the most powerful incumbency in the country. If you're an already elected lawmaker, it is very, very difficult to be unseated in Massachusetts, not just because it's a very blue state. This isn't true everywhere. We not only have one of the lowest rates of contested general elections for our state races in the country, we have one of the lowest rates for contested primaries in the country. It Because if it were just that it's a blue state, you would expect to see like different types of liberals, different types of Democrats challenging each other for these seats. It just doesn't happen. You skate. If you're a lawmaker and you're elected, you almost never face a serious challenge to reelection. You know, there, there are exceptions. There are a few tough districts out there where they, they're always fighting it out. But for the most part, they draw these districts so that they never have to fight for their seats ever again. You get elected and you are good to go. You are all set. That's And it's it, it's built into everything from the primary schedule to everything that they do. And it's so frust- it's so frustrating. It's, this state is ridiculous. They have they have zero accountability. And if people don't start actually voting them out, it, it will never yep. change. And that's and, and we're going to continue on this. And I am I have a, a this is going to be a new hobby of mine is tracking <laughs> these bastards down. And, you know, to have to have them say in a time of covid, you this is an extraordinary time. You need to make special sacrifices. It's an extraordinary time. You need to exert yourself in a different in a, in a, a different extraordinary way. You need to curb your life. In an extraordinary way. Mm-hmm. And then the moment you say, oh, well, okay, doesn't the extraordinary mean it's extraordinary for you too? No, no. Oh, I don't want to be, I don't want anything in my life to be jarred. I don't want to know how it is, <laughs> especially in, in the time of COVID. Those bastards need to feel, they need to be able to feel mm-hmm. what the people, the voters are feeling. Right. Now more than ever. There needs it's to a be matter some of life and death. Urgency. It is a matter of life and death. They need to feel it more other than just wear cute monogram freaking masks and put it on their Instagram account from the state house. Jesus. And lecturing. No, lecturing isn't empathy. It's not feeling. It's not, you know, sharing a shared experience. Right. It's, it, it, I am so ripped. I cannot mm-hmm. believe it. I cannot believe it. I am. No, there's sh- this freaking cost of living adjustment. As if the if this as just the pandemic never happened because it's not happening for them. They don't have that. My the industry I'm in, including the building I'm in, saw mm-hmm. everybody get pay cuts. We a lot of people in that building lost jobs, furloughs. It, lives have been overturned. Right. And for this person, any of these people, all of these people on Beacon Hill mm-hmm. to say this, I don't even, I hate state politics. I don't even ever like talking about it because it's so gross. But this is beyond the pale. And this is freaking not acceptable. This is not acceptable. I will, uh oh, did I speak up the baby? I don't think so. I thought I heard one. I will be making it a passion project of mm-hmm. mine to. Put some of my time and energy <laughs> into having conversations yeah, with some of I these people who think that they should have well, to first get of a all, pay raise. I think everybody. You say it to my face. I'm going to. I think everybody in this state, I want to first also of all, out to have, should find out if you don't know who it is, find out who your state rep is and your state senator is and send them an email and start making phone calls to their office to find out if they are taking this pay raise because it's up to them whether they're taking it or not. And and see who took the pay raise so that so that, you know, and make them say it to your face. Make them explain to you why their pay goes up 
even when your pay goes down. And so here's another thing. I understand that Charlie Baker, the governor of Massachusetts, mm-hmm. he's not taking the thing that's great. And I understand that he's very busy working with the COVID stuff, and mm-hmm. that's great. I understand that he's very pissed off at us for going out and having gatherings, and, that, and he makes it very clear every week. We play the audio all the time. We've, we're always He's always very disappointed. <laughs> with us. I know it. I get it. But I would like him to be uh, as upset about this stuff, about how his constituents are being disrespected mm-hmm. as the legislature fattens its pockets and improves its lifestyle. Yeah. And Why all- do their expense accounts need to go up? What right, are they buying right. new this year? And you know, I would do like they have him, more business I would like him to, instead of spending time during his COVID updates, lecturing us and then commenting in showing, you know, just how unsettled he is about national politics, mm-hmm. I would like him to spend a little bit of time defending uh, and uh, standing up for his constituents. Right. But no, his COVID updates, it's more about his national campaign for national office mm-hmm. now than anything. President-elect Joe Biden won the election fair and square. And for the life of me, I can't figure out how people in my party can say all the other elections in which their folks barely won were fine, and the only one that they seem to have any concerns about is the one at the top of the ticket. We just finished 20 minutes of Q&A with you all about the largest and most significant and life potentially life-saving vaccine rollout in U.S. history that I think everybody at this point in time would say can't happen fast enough. And I think everybody would also agree that there have been bumps associated with the rollout, which we all expected and anticipated, with the notion that eventually the wheel would start to spin and things would work the way they should. That, in my view, is where our colleagues at the federal level should be focusing their time and their attention, is doing everything they all together possibly can to make sure that every vulnerable American, every healthcare worker, every long-term care resident... Don't worry so GD much about what the politicians in Washington are quibbling over. Federal uh, politics is something that's, you know, nothing that you can do anything about. Right. Your constituents, you work in the state, Charlie. You don't mm-hmm. work. We've got a delegation that we send to Washington. Right, to, to, to deal with that. To, to deal with stuff. <laughs> your job is to make sure your constituents, the residents, the citizens of this state are taken care of. That are not stepped on and disrespected. So be a little pissed off. I understand the federal bureaucracy is a maddening thing and the, and the, and the vaccine rollout is, has bumps, etc. And I understand that you don't like that the, the Trump people are doing all this gross stuff they're doing with their votes, vote counting or whatever, and that's fine. And I understand that makes you angry. Well, be a little freaking angry about what's happening in Massachusetts. For Christ's sakes, this is such, so goddamn maddening. And I am, I'm, I, I, God, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And it's a problem because he's not angry about this. Mm-hmm. It's just, there's nothing I can do about it. Well, where the hell were you? You were elected as a freaking Republican. I understand that this is, I'm the last one to come to this conversation. And I understand, <laughs> and I understand this. Pretend to give a sh about the people in the state, okay? Yeah. Other than the ones who break the COVID rules, who you're sending the squads after to, 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 to find. This is between this crap, you allowing this to happen, and the crap this summer allowing the stupid riots and protests to happen mm-hmm. that were loud, not socially distanced, whatever. 
This is crap. This is, totally undermines this. The lack of concern for the citizenry right now undermines all the messaging that he does on this disease. All of it. As mm -hmm. upset as he wants to yell or not about, you know, Lynn Wood causing trouble in Georgia. Yeah. Do you know how much impact Lynn Wood has on my reality in Massachusetts? How much would you say? Does it affect me no. that Lynn Wood is a person who needs a lot of psychiatric help in Georgia? It affects me not at all. It has zero impact on my day-to-day -day existence, what Linwood is doing. But what Charlie Baker does and what Beacon Hill does has a lot of impact on my day-to-day -day existence. You know, I, I don't want to have to worry that if my mom comes over, the police are going to knock on my door and ask how many people are inside. You know, that Charlie Baker can affect. You know, I don't want to be worried that I'm going to drive to my job in New Hampshire and get stopped by the police when I drive back in and asked where I've been and how, how long I've been away and am I going to quarantine? I don't want to... Maybe he should spend a little time focusing on that. You know, maybe he should spend a little time focusing on where our tax dollars are going and worrying about how people are going to get to work when they've shut down the entire MBTA practically and because nobody's riding it because he banned them all and the state legislature has to take no hit. You know, everybody else has to take a hit. Daycares are closed. Schools aren't open. Nothing's happening. Restaurants can't open. We can't eat out. Mom and pop stores are dying. Like, it just... It, what he does every day affects my life. What Linwood does does not affect my life. Right. Trump can call up the Secretary of State of any other state in the country and rant about stolen votes and security camera footage. And it's... You know, I, I'm done. I don't have to think about it. It doesn't matter. It doesn't do anything to anybody. Okay, this concludes the yelling portion of the <sighs> program. Are we going to move on? We've By the way, exercised our demons I now. just had a long conversation with VB, Doug Gowdy. Mm -hmm. And yes, he is moving. Which <sighs> sucks because they're, they're kind of our neighbors. They're, they live close to us. They're a lovely family. Kids are great. Mm -hmm. uh, and he's got a pool, and so that means yeah. we can't use that again. I've asked for him to give me all his collection of cool stuff he's collected over the years. Mm -hmm. I was very shameless in the phone, Alice. It was very, very vintage Tom Shattuck. He would have liked it. <laughs> I essentially begged for a couch. We um, don't need any more stuff in our house. I know, but stuff. I just need a little more. Just give me a little more. <laughs> it'll be good. We're going to be buried alive in here. Um but uh, yeah, so he is leaving. That's too bad because he's a good. Uh, he's a good state politics political mind too. He's great. They're moving to Albany, New York. He's got a gig on a radio show. Good luck mm. to VB. And if you want to uh, come up here and uh, live in Boxford, Massachusetts, there's a house available with a pool in a cool driveway in a nice backyard and uh, coyotes back there. Um, so uh, Howie Kurtz, who's on Fox News, he had just a good segment that I really liked. Mm -hmm. And just talking about the news media, Jim Acosta, if you didn't know, just gave this interview to the Atlantic and where he essentially says in the Atlantic that, you know, with Biden, we're going to be hands off, you know, because, you know, things are different. They don't have the same relationship that we had with Trump there, which, of course, the Trump relationship with Acosta was simply Acosta trying to be a movie star and <laughs> raise his profile by being a total jerk. What we're witnessing right now is just this erosion of our freedoms in terms of covering the president of the United States. I think we saw the president's true colors today, and, and I'm not sure they were red, white and blue. Ooh. Where do we find minds like this? Can you imagine? 
Jesus. You imagine, you know how, how long he probably worked on that take? I'm going to use the red, white, and blue one, honey. Mm -hmm. Do you think today's the day? All right, this is going to kill. But are you worried? That's enough. That's Mr. enough. President, this is when Ocasio is jerking a microphone away from a young female White House staffer <laughs> who was kind of uh, mishandled, I would say, here. But, you know, no, that's fine. It's, uh, as long as it's in the name of harming Donald Trump, innocence... Uh, mm -hmm. Being injured uh, is just uh, the price of doing business. That's enough. I was going to ask one of the, the other folks. That's had, enough. Pardon me, ma'am. I'm, I'm, Mr. President. Me. That's enough. Mr. President, I had one of the questions. Jim Acosta, so he's such a, a dink, too, because remember he would say, will you, after I ask this question, will you please let a woman ask the next question? Remember he did that in <laughs> England or whatever that was? Somewhere in Europe, he said, after <sighs> I'm done with this question, will you please let a woman ask? I, I'm absolutely going first, but can you let a woman? He's just an idiot. So is Charlie uh, uh, Howard uh, Kurtz his um, his um, his commentary on this? I thought was very interesting. Acosta now tells the magazine the Trump presidency was a nonstop national emergency, and then he quote couldn't stomach the president. Can you imagine that mm -hmm. having a media? But although we already knew this, this is how right. they thought. Matt Taibbi has been saying this for a week. You you could just you could tell that they thought mm -hmm. it was a nonstop non emergency. And that's why they felt empowered to break all the rules and take mm -hmm. liberties and fabricate and act like total jerks. And step on attacks on the press. This was clearly a personal vendetta for Acosta. And by the way, a president is allowed to say whatever he wants about the media. Now, Jim Acosta says journalists will approach Joe Biden differently. I don't think the press should be trying to whip up the Biden presidency and turn it into must-see TV in a contrived way. Can you imagine? So that's over. So unlike what we did with Trump, where we whipped up controversy in, a, in must see TV in a contrived way, you know, unlike that, now we won't. Biden <laughs> like, aligns with our political beliefs a little more closely. So no, he gets a free pass, and he's already started getting a free pass. New York Magazine's Olivia Newsy made a great point, saying it didn't really require any special bravery to report honestly and critically on Donald Trump. Why? Because journalists who were unrelentedly negative were rewarded with cable news contracts, book offers, big Twitter followings. But reporting critically on Joe Biden will be riskier. They could alienate their newfound liberal fans who won't want the new president pummeled the way Trump was. That is absolutely correct. Yeah. And that is a dangerous thing because now you're getting no coverage of a president. What do you is the biggest threat to your transition right now, given President Trump's unprecedented attempt to obstruct and delay a smooth transfer of power? What do you say to Americans, especially immigrant Americans who came to the United States looking for political stability and seeing all the things that the president is doing. All the things he's doing. Just, what do you think? I'm just going to load that into the question <laughs> there. That was uh, to White House press morons. But that's how it is. You know, one of the things that I wrote about before Trump, before the election of 2016, was that if Trump won, that he'd be covered unlike any other president in history. Mm -hmm. And that would be an advantage because you'd have Hillary uncovered. Mm -hmm. You know, people would be blocking for Hillary. And that's dangerous because you need the press to be in and around the White House. With, there has never been more coverage than there has been on President Trump. And there's never been more availability than Trump has given the media mm -hmm. to his political uh, you yeah. know, damage, probably. I mean, it's also interesting. I mean, of course, there's what you're saying. There is a lot more uh, coverage of, say, uh, children in cages at the border than there was during the Obama administration when they also had children in cages at the border and also had abuse problems at federal uh, detention facilities and also you know all these things they, this was they had the um the 
AFP report, was it? Remember that they ended up pulling that saying it was like a human rights abuse, what was happening at the U.S. border. And then it turned out it was from 2015 and they deleted the whole story off their right. website. Right, right. I kind of like, forgot about that. Did we so, talk about that on this? No, that was pre uh, the Burn Barrel podcast, I think. But, but it, it, you know, all this stuff was happening. Guantanamo Bay was open under Obama as well as under Bush. And the detention facilities at the border were there under Obama as well as Trump. All these things. Obama was droning people every other day. You couldn't get anybody except Code Pink to get excited about that. It, this stuff is um, it's dangerous to have a press that doesn't want to cover news stories they see as damaging to somebody who they view as a political ally. You know, it's it's bad. And if you care about kids in cages at the border, you should be concerned that no one is going to care about them anymore. You know, that now you're not going to see pictures of what's happening there on the news. There's going to be absolutely zero outside pressure on those facilities and the people who work there to make sure that they're, that the conditions are good, to make sure that things are being handled appropriately. Like, I sure hope all those kids have found their parents now because nobody is going to shine a spotlight on helping you find your parents at this point. Not Once Biden's yep. in there, that's all over. Nobody wants to hear about any kids who can't have who can't find their parents anymore at, at that point well, yeah they're done you're going to be in a black hole of press coverage mm-hmm. if you're a person who's ends up being abused by the biden administration that's right. done well, the, the, that's the... done but on another level too it's going to be interesting to see what happens because um it's such a great point like being a part of the resistance was really lucrative for all these organizations not just media organizations either like the aclu had a donation boom as soon as trump was elected and immediately backtracked on some of their most cherished positions like defending nazis you know like like we'll defend anyone's free speech used to be their thing that's what they're famous for is defending nazis right and then they backed down because resistance people were mad when they said they wanted to defend the charlottesville guy you know the people pressured them into not doing that because into you know changing their beliefs of their organization because they got so many donations. The Trump presidency has kept the New York Times in the black for for subscriptions. It's kept CNN alive, certainly. It's kept Rachel Maddow alive. The the people who tune into Rachel Maddow every night to hear the latest, you know, corruption scandal of the Trump administration and the Russian oligarchs, they're not going to keep watching now that Biden's president. So it's going to be interesting to see what these news organizations try and do. The you know, the free money bonanza that they've had for the last four years is over for them. Right. And I think another thing that they're doing is one of the dangers, and I agree with you on all that stuff, but one of the dangers is, of course, is that they've done everything they can to stoke fear. Mm-hmm. So when you've got, uh, when you've got, uh, you know, some senators saying, some people in Congress saying they're going to object to the election or whatever. You've got people saying, oh, my God, in the name of God, what's happening? What's happening? This is incredible. Mm-hmm. This is historic, et cetera. And, you're, and you've got people who should be telling you the whole story are omitting the mm-hmm. story. They're not telling you that this stuff happened in 2000. The chair now hands to the tellers the certificate of the electors for president and vice president of the state of Florida. Mr. President, the objection is in writing signed by a number of members of the House of Representatives, but not by a member of the Senate. Mr. President, I stand for the purpose of objecting to the counting of the vote from the state of Alcee Florida Hastings. as read. Mr. President, I rise, rise on behalf of the Congressional Black Caucus to object to the 25 
electoral votes from Florida. Mr. President, thank you for your inquiry. It is in writing. It is signed by myself on behalf of my diverse constituents and the millions of Americans who have been disenfranchised by Florida's inaccurate vote count. The, is the objection signed by a senator? Well, Mr. Chair, Mr. President, I am objecting to, uh, uh, to the idea that votes in Florida were not counted. Jesse Jackson, Jr., that was the year 2000. Mm -hmm. Standing objecting to the election. 2004, they did it again. The clerk will report the objection. We, a member of the House of Representatives and a United States Senator, object to the counting of the electoral votes of the state of Ohio on the ground that they were not under all of the known circumstances regularly given. Signed, Stephanie Tubbs Jones, State of Ohio. Barbara Boxer, State of California. The objection today is raised because there are irregularities across this country with regard to voting. And we as a Congress have an obligation. Moon landing? 9-11 mm. truthers? Right? It sounds like they're, they're throwing mm -hmm. grenades. There's Conspiracy no theories. They're calling arsonists. I hear arsonists out there. Wow, it's interesting. Mm. Nobody's mentioning all the arsonists. Who did all the arson? During all the, the other elections, all the arsonists all just got spawned in 2020. Yeah. Never happened before. That's because the media doesn't want to tell anybody what's happening. They're freaking activists and they're pitchmen. To step up to the plate and correct them. Mr. Speaker and members, I dedicate my objection to Ohio's electoral votes to Mr. Michael Moore, the producer of the documentary 9 11. First of all, we're here because not a single election official in Ohio has given us any explanation for the massive and widespread irregularity in the in Ring the a bell? Sound no familiar, by the way? The so before you go, you know, criticizing people, with Trump voters who've got concerns mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, in members of uh, Congress who want to object to this election, you know, maybe let people know before you scare the hell out of half the country as you've been doing again and again and again, that this is not so irregular. I'm not defending yeah. the shenanigans in Washington, D.C., but they, they ain't new shenanigans. Right. I mean, I think, I think you and I agree that, you know, it's bad form to object to a state's certified electors, that their legislatures have certified their elections, their courts have ruled in the court cases that it's all set. I mean, this is... This is what happened. And that's the electors get sent to Washington and Congress counts the votes of the Electoral College. Right. You know, this isn't uh, it's not rocket science. You don't get to if we're in Massachusetts, we don't get to just decide that we don't like how Texas runs elections. And so we're just going to object to their electors. But, you know, that being said. Trump's people didn't start the bad behavior. It didn't come to Washington with him. It, it was there already. He just came and became a part of it. It's not, ugh, whatever. It's so, but they they get so annoyed when you see this. This is one of the things George Conway freaked out about when he got uh, told this on Morning Joe today. He does, George Conway is, a, regardless of, actually, he's How a Republican. How dare we He compare. is a Republican. George Conway is a disgraceful human being an immoral, uh, a, a, um, an immoral uh, amoeba that I don't, I don't take him as a human being. Because he's so disgraceful, and the, the what he's done, because mm -hmm. he's such a weak bastard. What he's done, because he's irked by who the president is. What he's done to tear down his wife, 
yeah. into into um, you know by proxy denigrate her and and re recast her as a, a, a monster and a, a party to something so dark and pernicious mm-hmm. that it's Hitler-esque. Yeah, He's and monetize sec- uh, his denigration yeah. of her. He spent a little time at the Lincoln Project. Nobody, uh, it, let's be serious, nobody would have George Conway on anything right. if he weren't married to Kelly. And he knows that and he still goes on. It's, he's all for it. He's all for he's, it. it he's, he knows he's, they're only having him on because people think it feels good to them yeah. that it hurts his wife that he's on their show. Oh, totally. That's, that's, that's all it's about. It's they're about getting pleasure her. from yep. the idea that this hurts it's, Kelly and Conway. It's, it's super it's, gross. It's misogynistic. It really <laughs> I mean, yeah, it is a little bit. Okay, so Alice, we got to lighten it up here, but you're going to have to talk about this when I play the sound here because I can't. I can't do it. I'm going to have to um, just, I don't, I'll huff WD 40 if I <laughs> have to intake this. So I'm going to play the sound. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna breathe. I'm gonna let you talk. I'm gonna let you talk about it for a second, okay? Okay. This is Emmanuel Cleaver in the. Um, is it the well of the house? It's not the well. It's the floor of the house. It's the well of the Senate, right? We ask it in the name of the monotheistic God, Brahma, and God known by many names by many different faiths. A man and a woman. There's a lot to unpack in that, as people say. I mean, and I tweeted about this last night because it's just, it's truly an offensive thing to say. First of all, it misinterprets what the phrase amen means. Not. Well, well hold on, Alice. Mm-hmm. You would have to have an IQ under 11 <laughs> to assume amen meant men like guys there's no it can't be possible it cannot be possible but it's like her story like people don't really think i don't think i hope people don't really think that the word history is named history because it's his story right like i don't think people really think that but they still make her story because it's like cute and i feel like it has to be more that it has to be more just being cute with the name, then he he must not really think that amen has something to do with the word men because the word amen has nothing to do with that. It's, it's via Aramaic, via Hebrew, meaning let it be so or yes, basically. You know, so then why and, did he say a, a woman, a woman, a woman? Just being cute. Like the same reason people say okay. her story instead of history. If you can Even promise though, me it's just being cute. I hope, I hope it, that's my. I don't my... know if this is, this is 2021, which is the same as 2020. Mm-hmm. I don't trust that it's, that it's that benign. Okay. Well, maybe it's not that benign. So. I think that they're going to start saying a man and a woman. I hope not. And that's why we need to shoot this ridiculous thing down as quickly as possible because it's it's so stupid that because it implies naturally first of all it implies that there's something offensive about saying amen on its own that there's something sexist about the word amen which couldn't be further from the truth it's absolutely ridiculous to even imply such a thing indirectly second of all uh, you don't mess with the words of prayers. The words of prayers are important. It's a matter that people 
go to wars over is how you pray and the words you use when you pray. So if you take words that are specifically used in a certain way by people of faith and you deliberately misinterpret them to mean something else and you get cute with screwing around with them, that is offensive. I I mean, people throw the word offensive around a lot these days, but you know, if they're allowed to be offended, I'm allowed to be offended. And that's offensive. It's offensive to mess with, you know, words that are sacred to people. And these are sacred words to people, mm-hmm. to, to a lot of people of a lot of different faiths. I mean, not to mention just even if you before you get to the insanity that's a man and a woman, that it's also there's there are also some theological assertions in the prayer before that that are offensive to I mean, I think a lot of people I can't speak for people who are Hindu or whatever, because I don't know. But you know, I think a lot of Christians would be offended if you say that, you know, the Christian God and Brahma are the same thing. We just know him by different names, because I think that a lot of Christians feel specifically that their God is not Brahma or not Buddha or whatever. You know, that's to say and people somehow think I think that they're being like tolerant and accepting when they're like, everybody's just doing the same thing in their own different way. But Obviously, the people who are in a lot of specific faiths don't feel that way or they wouldn't be in the specific faith that they're in. They're in the one that they're in because they think that one is uh, different from the others. So it's offensive if you tell me that it's actually just the same thing someone else is doing and I'm just dumb and I don't realize it. I'm, you know, a backwater person who thinks mine is right. And you're like smart and above it all. And you can see that it's really just all the same thing to everyone. So that whole like way of praying and talking about religion, I, I personally do find offensive. You know, I, I find it much less offensive when people actually are of a different faith than me and have honest disagreements with me about theology rather than they just say, you know, like, you just don't see the big picture. It's all the same. Like, Would you say as a Christian that a key part of the Bible is the death of Jesus Christ and then his rising? Uh, yeah, I would say that that's a pretty key part of the faith, yes. Well, I have some bad news and some good news. Okay. On a new subject. Okay. But related in theme. Are we gonna? Am I going to need the Lovely Day song today? <laughs> no. The bad okay. news is okay. Tanya Roberts, the Bond girl, mm-hmm. and the woman who was in that 70s show, and for my people, my mostly guys my age in Beastmaster – where she gave a performance that should have won seven Oscars. Do you know who I'm talking about, Tanya Roberts? <laughs> Not really. She played the attractive mom in that 70s show. I didn't, I was never really that into that show. Okay. But, well, I mean... the bad news is that Tanya Roberts, Bond girl in that 70s show star, uh, has died, mm-hmm. a- according to her publicist. Now, the good news is that... Um, good news is that <laughs> the same publicist... Uh, an hour later, uh, has reported that, in fact, she's not dead. Wait. Her publicist <laughs> so, reported that she was yes. dead and she's not dead? Yes. So I'm not saying it's a resurrection, but <laughs> she has returned to us. And Tanya Roberts apparently is okay and not dead. That's the kind of thing that I would do. Um, I would do uh, double checking on <laughs> just in case. Because. <laughs> How Tanya did that Roberts happen? Still alive, rep confirms. Was she like really sick? His variety. What happened? How did that happen? Hold on. I've never opened variety before. God knows what happened. <laughs> Former Bond girl and Sheena, Queen of the Jungle Star, which is also an important movie. <laughs> Tanya Roberts is very important to my people. Uh, Tanya Roberts was mistakenly it. announced dead 
Her rep, Mike Pingle, told Variety <laughs> that although her husband, Lance O'Brien, was originally told she had died, the hospital called Monday morning to report she was still alive. Okay, so it's not the PR okay. guy. It's the hospital reported that she died right. to her, her husband. Right. That's worse. Yes, I would say that that's not ideal. How does the hospital screw that up? Okay, though it's not clear how the mistake happened, hospitals in Southern California are operating under extreme strain right now due to an excess of hospitalizations okay. for COVID-19. Okay. Um, uh, no cause has been given for Robert's collapse as she was walking her dog with her husband. Uh, okay, but she's not doing well. She's in the hospital, but there was a mix-up at the hospital of some kind. Right. Okay. So I think in a way that is good news, and we love Tanya Roberts. I mean, anytime someone's not actually dead, that's good news. That is good news. Yeah, that is good news. I have a conspiracy theory on your, on the, amen thing. Okay. Maybe this is by on purpose to start a debate on whether there should be any prayers said beforehand. Anyway. Uh, that could be. I could see that. All right, not your average Joe's closing four master mass restaurants, uh, which is uh, too bad. I used to go there a lot of time, long at times with a a lesser uh, girlfriend, mm -hmm. Alice, uh, somebody who was uh, really just a pain. You know, I knew I one of the reasons I knew that she was not the one. We were mm -hmm. at not your average Joe's in Watertown, and the power went out one night as we we're mm -hmm. having dinner. And so it's totally pitch black, and you're not allowed to have candles. So people, some people had cell phones and whatever. It's probably 2004, maybe a little after. Mm -hmm. And so I'm. They said, so we'll stay open. We can just we'll have to do tallies by hand, whatever to 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 run credit cards, mm -hmm. the old fed, whatever. And I said, well, this is awesome. How fun <laughs> is this? That we're totally completely pitch dark. We're with all these people in this thing. Let's have a great time. She just wigged out and said, oh, my God, it's, no, oh, my God, you can hardly see. And I said, what do you mean? The bar's open. Let's get martinis and have a, a restaurant's closed party. And she's, no, 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 my God, the power's, the power's shut off. I don't know what we're going to do here. I don't know. We live, we walked, we were walking distance. That's how I knew. You'd be a good time at the dark bar kind of lady, Alice. Mm -hmm. And that's why um, <clears throat> I married you. And the mm -hmm. fact that you were uh, the only woman who would talk to me. Uh, mm -hmm. let's see. What else do we have? Uh, Reading uh, residents protest over canceled youth sports. That's happened in our town up here and happened all over the place because it's dumb. Mm -hmm. And let's see. In Chicago, across the city, uh, 30 public schools are named for people who owned or traded enslaved black or indigenous people, according to mm -hmm. some Times Review. That's all going to change. Yeah. And you actually, if you go into the article, uh, they uh, did find that there's even more schools uh, named for people who had racist or misogynistic views. There's another 35 uh, who have publicly said or done racist or misogynistic things. So, you know. We went from just the Confederate traitor soldiers to everybody, including Washington, Lincoln, you know, whoever owned slaves. And now he's also looking at the 35 other schools that have done racist or said racist or misogynistic right. things. Right, good. That seems like a good priority. <laughs> Maybe right they now. should focus on the fact that I'm sure their like, rates of failing students are way up and they're right. not, not actually educating anybody or serving families at all. But no, at least they'll have the schools renamed as they 
failed their uh, well, largely like, minority population. Right. Well, I would also think that maybe, you know, the fact that the, the name is on the school that is problematic shouldn't necessarily be priority one. I think the fact that the school is as dark as my Trader Joe's sorry, not average Joe's was right. that night, should be a concern and that the schools maybe should open should be something that somebody should think about at some point. But we're not allowed to do any of that mm. stuff else because now it's uh, now is the time that's fine. We're ending on a happy note. Everything's fine. Everything's going to yeah. be good. You look beautiful tonight, Alice. Oh, thanks, this is a, a great outfit of yours, Alice. I'm going to tweet a picture out there Mm-mm. and have people vote on you. No. <laughs> hey, Alice, if I'm selling the images of your <laughs> sister and her friends, at least I can do is have the respect to do it to my own wife. Let's see where we are in 2020. And that's where we are tonight. Um, this has been the Burn Barrel Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Burn Barrel Pod, Facebook.com slash Burn Barrel Podcast. Uh, we are on Parlor at Burn Barrel Podcast. We are also on YouTube. Our channel is Tom Shaddock's Burn Barrel. Uh, you can find video versions of the podcast, comment, like, subscribe to the channel. You can also subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, send us an email. Let us know where that is. We are Burn Barrel Podcast at gmail.com. C'est la vie. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.